0: You're listening to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. This podcast is a part of Overtime Heroics. Join the forums for free at OvertimeHeroics.com and the Rise Up Podcast Community, bit.ly slash riseuppodcommunity. Quick! What sounds better? Episode 103, 103rd episode, or episode 103? Quick! Oh, that's right, you can't tell me because you live in a different place. Anyway, the 103rd episode is here of the local Sunday Sports Podcast, and it's time for a little summer ball. Welcome to another installment of... Of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Opening theme from Music Radio Creative. Visit the slash podcast to listen on your favorite podcasting platform. Now for our host, Lee W. Mauen. just occurred to me that before episode 103, I haven't talked a lot about summer collegiate baseball. That's changing today, but first we'll dive back into Mowen's mailbag. When's the last time I got questions? Was it before the live stream for episode 100? Yeah. want well, to thank Mark Schlemmer for the two questions. We'll save the first one. We'll dive right into this one because I know there's a lot of people hungry for football. Mark Schlemmer, of course the co-host of Kinder and Schlemmer, and a very common guest back in the day when I started this podcast. He asked, Are the Browns for real? I know. Now, first off, I know people might be saying, It's not Cincinnati or Dayton, get out of here. Well, the Browns do have a big local tie. Remember back before the second incarnation of the Bengals back in 1968, Really, you didn't have any other professional football team except the Cleveland Browns. And back then, they were pretty awesome. All these new acquisitions, last year's 7-8-1 record after coming off an 0-16 season. You know, I know people don't want that spoken again, but there is a lot of optimism on the Cleveland Browns side of things. And are the Browns for real? It looks like they're making the right moves, but... You can't really answer that until the season plays on. I mean, first kick isn't for quite some time. We still have July to go through. Then August starts your training camps. Your preseason's around the corner. Then it's football season for a very long time until February with the Super Bowl. I think the Browns could make a pretty nice run. I'm not saying Super Bowl bound. I think they're for real, but we'll see. And then Mark Schlemmer's second question is, how about a little background on you? If you remember episode 9, someone asked me, oh, you should you should talk more about yourself. And then afterwards, like, no, I didn't mean that. So, yeah. Really, I don't talk much about myself because you don't come on this podcast to listen to about me, you come on this podcast to listen about Cincinnati Dayton sports. At least I think you do. And that, again, I think people listen to this podcast. Well, I got one more soccer match announcing until college sports start up again. That would be July 10th. That's a Wednesday for the Dayton Dutch Lions. That's next week. So I'm a little sad about that's kind of it for announcing for about a month. A little over a month. Still working at the Dragons. Scoreboard guy. I miss maybe one game a month because of things. In fact, I think I only miss the next. Out uh, of the remaining two months, I think I missed two games. Maybe three. So, yeah. And I tweet along what's happening with the game. If you're interested in minor league ball, it's at the Lee W. Malin. You know me, I tweet local sports because that's what you know people should care about, local sports. Personally, in terms of my broadcasting career, I think I'm only one game, maybe a couple games away from 1,100 calls, which is a lot. Well, <laughs> I never would have guessed I got to 1,000. I thought I would have quit by then, but there you go. I'm looking for a fall home to call football, maybe a little soccer, maybe even volleyball, if that's in the mix. I wish there were more local stations that uh, needed broadcasters. But, yeah, so, yeah, I'm kind of looking for a little help around the Dayton area, Cincinnati area. If you know there's a station that needs broadcasters, you know, point them out. That'd be nice. A couple months ago, now I think it was May, it might have been June, I was talking to the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts, Jesse goldberg Strassler, who also has written a couple books, The Baseball Thesaurus, which I have in my nightstand as some reading material. It's a good book. I was telling him, as a broadcaster, I'm a pretty good PA announcer, which I know isn't uncommon to have broadcasters do PA announcing or vice versa. It's just outside hockey season I don't get the opportunities to broadcast much anymore and I'm hoping that changes this year. I'm hoping that, you know, I'm hoping that one of these local sports stations turns around and says hey, we need a local sports guy. Lee W. Mowen is that local sports guy. So far nothing yet. I feel like every time my resume is sent through The applications around here it goes straight into the shredder but that's just my my feelings it could also just be you know anxiety you know type of thing but there you go and actually i go on my website and tell you how close i am getting to 500 games as the a public address announcer which is weird i thought that number would have been higher and i know i got to update it too Actually, it's as of May 26th. Okay, so update that after I get this podcast episode loaded. So, yeah, I'm getting closer to 500 games as a PA announcer. So, that'll be neat. Not sure when I'll break the 500 mark, but there you go. Also, need to update. This is episode 103 on total podcast episodes. Been slacking on my website. What is the matter with me? Also, three broadcast away from 1100. There you go. I guess that's a little background on me. I was planning to do an episode 104 talking about how local sports aren't covered and why that is. Because local isn't Columbus. Local is technically not Cincinnati either, but there you go. Might talk about that in episode 104, but we'll see how it goes. I do want to bring up Uh, Nice piece of news. It is not sports-related. It's uh, personal. Uh, My fiancé recently got a job as a supervisor at Meowza in the Dayton Mall. And they're part of the Humane Society of Greater Dayton. So congrats go out to my lady for the new job. And also, if you're in the market for donating to the Humane Society or adopting... A cat. It's at the Dayton Mall, right by J.C. Penney, and soon to be where Ross Dress for Less is coming in. You know where H.H. Gregg used to be, then before that Linens and Things, and I think before that Discovery Zone. And tell you, tell you what, that's a throwback back to my childhood. I went there twice, but it's a lot of fun. Probably very, very dirty in terms of germs, but you know, it's the 90s anyway let's move on that's enough background out of me i guess if you're really interested i don't know hit me up on social media wouldn't mind a conversation here and there we're going to talk about summer baseball that's me making the sound of a bat hitting a ball because that's what baseball sounds like apparently actually it needs more lasers Let's start with the most local of the two in the area, the Great Lakes Summer Collegiate League, or just Great Lakes. A lot of the teams are in the Cincinnati-Dayton area. There are a couple of teams in Michigan, one in Canada, but the majority of them span from Lima down to Cincinnati, with many stops in between. It is a 12-team league, losing a pair of teams from last year. We'll start with the North Division of the Great Lakes. The Lima Locals lead all again. Lima is probably the most successful franchise in the Great Lakes. One of the oldest ones, too. I think they're one year older than Grand Lake, which is Salina. They've been around for a while. Not quite as old as me, but there you go. Lima is 14 and 8 and 7 and 3 in their last ten. Followed up by eleven and eight, Saint Clair Green Giants, the the Canada team, just across the skip, Grand Lake in third place, ten and ten. They have a new logo, like I mentioned, whatever episode that was. Five and five in the last ten for Grand Lake. Home is Montgomery Field. They share that with the Wright State Lake Campus Lakers. In fourth place in the north, Muskegon Clippers, eleven and twelve, the Michigan Monarchs think formerly Lake Erie Monarchs they're 10 and 13 and Galleon and the graders are 5 and 16 of course graders being the things that rip payment up so you can pave and put fresh payment on but they're 2 and 8 in the last 10 and 5 and 16 overall and now we look at the South Division The Licking County Settlers are 14-9 to lead the South. Just a half game up on the Cincinnati Steam, 14-10. Cincinnati plays at Western Hills High School. Hamilton Joes, named after Joe Nuxall in Butler County. Hamilton 12-10, but 3-7 in their last 10. Southern Ohio Copperheads, they call Athens, Ohio home. Actually, they call Ohio University home. And they're 12 and 11, the Copperheads, or the Cheds, as the social medias will say. You know. Cheds. Just makes me think of Cheeseheads for some reason. I don't know why. Xenia in 5th place in the South, 12 and 12. They call Athletes in Action home in Green County. And in 6th place, the Richmond, Indiana Jazz at 9 and 14. Both Xenia and Richmond are 4 and 6 in their last 10. Actually, every time I see a Xenia Scout hat, I think, hey, I know what that team is. And I like following the Richmond Jazz as well, because my two years interning with the Richmond River Rats, I come to fall in love with McBride Stadium. It's a classic stadium. It's got that old-timey feel to it, and it's home to, you know, several former Richmond teams. Probably the most notable would be the Frontier League's Richmond Roosters, who called Richmond, Indiana home from the mid-90s to about 2005, then head to Traverse City as the Beach Bums, and then recently sold their Frontier League franchise to go in the Northlands, I believe, which is another summer collegiate league. So there you go. little bit of six degrees of Richmond, Indiana for you. I guess. But that's your 12 teams stacking up in the Great Lakes Normally the Great Lakes season lasts about two months. Starts in June which is about a week later than what the Prospect League, the league we'll talk about next, starts. So about two months. Maybe a couple games in August and then the playoffs. Lima's looking good again. Licking County 14-9. and 9. Some strong teams in the Great Lakes. We'll look at the stats provided by Point Streak. You're Best batter, it looks like from St. Clair, is Crump. And I apologize for not having Crump's first name because it's just an abbreviation. I was going to say hyphen, but that wouldn't have been right. Crump is batting four twenty nine in 17 games. That's pretty good. Not the most games, but still. 17 games and you're batting four twenty nine. with 21 RBIs. I think that's pretty good. Actually, the strikeout to walk ratio is very good for Crump 8 walks, 6 strikeouts and 2 sacrifice flies to boot look at some more Grand Lake is led with a catcher as well in W. David 423 batting average in 13 games catchers fitting in nicely in Salina then you got GLM, I'm guessing that is Great Lakes Monarchs? No? That'd be Grand Lake and the Mariners that's Thigpen at third base, 397 average in 16 games. And Sebastian Fabick of the Ohio Bobcats with the Southern Ohio Copperheads. I was about to say Cheddarheads for a minute just because I made that reference on social media. But there you go. 391 in 22 games. That's the most games out of the top five. Limas led by Jernigan, an outfielder, batting 385. And Colina, Batting 370 in six more games than Jernigan. Licking County's got a first baseman swatting 368. CS. What would CS be? Let's find out together. They have Jake Silverstein, which I think that's Cincinnati Steam, isn't it? Yeah! Look at me guessing before the page loaded. 364. I think next year he'll have a bigger role with the Dayton Flyers baseball team, or the Flyboys. I'm looking to see. Xenia's got a pitcher batting 349, according to the stats. A couple more Lima locals. Fisher 349, Smith 347. Now we take a quick peek at the pitching. Lots of good ERAs in the top. That's about 12 that I'm counting. Leading all after five games, three starts is Noelker of the Cincinnati Steam. A .70 ERA in three starts, five games, one complete game even. Struck out 13, walked 15 with two wins. So the ratio is a little tilted. I believe that's Tristan Hot of the Wright State Raiders. He's with Grand Lake and that is a 2-0 record for Hot with a 1.05 ERA. That's 3 starts, 3 games for Hot. There are a couple of five-game starters on here. Iverson of Southern Ohio, 31 innings pitched, a 1.13 ERA. That's pretty dynamite. Just five earned runs, six total in a span of 31 innings, 39 strikeouts, five walks. That's pretty good. I think that's what the cool kids call that. We also have Licking County's Duncan, 20 in the third innings, 1.38 ERA. One of the best starters for the Settlers, it looks like. Xenia's got the clue with five starts, a 1.93 ERA with a 3-2 and two record. And then to wrap up the one and under ERAs, actually that'd be two and under ERAs, 1.95 ERA for Miller of Gradion, one win, no losses, and five starts and 28 and two-thirds. Why should you pay attention to summer baseball? Well, like I mentioned, a lot of the local college kids play around here. There are some that play in other summer collegiate leagues, like they travel far or get closer to home, depending what the case is, or maybe go to the Cape Cod, which is considered one of the best ones, where the scouts will probably see you think that's what Peyton Burdick did now Peyton Burdick is he's he's ripping the Midwest League a new one with Clinton and then I tweeted can't Clinton come back to Dayton that'd be great to see Peyton Burdick as a lumber king but J.D. Orr hasn't quite reached single a ball yet but I think he's doing well with Batavia and the muck dogs not be fused with mud dogs but there you go you might see You might see local college kids, but you see good baseball. So definitely give the Great Lakes a try, or you can give the Prospect League a try. That's your two summer collegiate leagues that span in the Cincinnati-Dayton area. And we have one team in the Miami Valley, and one that's not, but we talk about them anyway because... There's some history between Chill Coffee and this area, especially if you know your independent ball between the Richmond Roosters and the Chill Coffee Paints. While the Paints are one team, the other team is the Champion City Kings. They're in Springfield. And they play where the Wittenberg Tigers play. Your standings in the Prospect League look like this: in the East Division, the Danville, Illinois Dan's lead all at 19 and 7. Best winning percentage in the Prospect League and 8-2 and in their last 10. And they're coming to Springfield. But more on that later. Chillicoffee is in second place. I believe the Paints ripped, what, 11-12 game winning streak? It's impressive. is impressive. Chillicoffee is 18-11, 2.5 back of first place Danville, and 6-4 and in the last 10. Lafayette, Indiana Aviators, 17-11, half game back of Chillicoffee. Springfield's Champion City Kings in fourth place 16 and 12 and four back at first but five and five in the last 10 they split a double header last night Taraho Rex 12 and 16 and the West Virginia Miners celebrating 10 years of existence in Beckley, West Virginia they're 8 and 21 When I was with the Richmond River Rats that was one of our biggest rivals the West Virginia Miners to see West Virginia that far down in the standings, it's a little bit of a shock. Now we look at the West Division. You do have a interleague play, as it was, West versus East, and it's not, it's not like the Midwest League where you get two at home and then you go for two series on the road. At least I don't think it is. The Cape Catfish, they're in Missouri. That's I believe the home of Southeast Missouri State, Cape. We're going called Cape G because I don't know how to say it. But Cape Catfish twenty and eight. They have the most wins in the Prospect League, but just a shade under the best winning percentage of uh, Danville. Then you have the DuPage Pistol Shrimp. Stop naming your team after food. I'm sorry, DuPage Pistol Shrimp. I believe this is the same DuPage area that once had a prospect league but they moved to another league before i started my first year with richmond they are 15 and 13 five games back of first place cape stop naming your teams after food yeah that's a big uh, that's a big no no for me but there you go i could have a whole episode saying why i think that's the most stupid idea. And you can counter that, but but it's local. You like local. You've been shoving local down our throats. Well, one, no I haven't. That's assault. And two, it's my opinion. I don't like food team names. Although I do like I do like Clinton when they go, again, Midwest League. I think it's every Sunday home game they turn into the Elotes, which is a type of food. That's cool. The hot pink is nice, too, because it makes me feel, hey, Miami Marlins. But there you go. Actually, that's more Miami Heat, but you get it. Miami Vice in Iowa. Coming to you. In third place in the West, it's the Quincy Gems. They're 15-14. and 14. Fourth place, new to the Prospect League, the Normal Corn Belters. They were also a Frontier League team. It's amazing how much Last few years, the former Frontier League teams turn it over and say we're going to do summer ball instead. The Corn Belters are 12 and 18, nine back of first place Cape Catfish. The Springfield, Illinois Sliders are eight and 18, and the Hannibal Hoots in Missouri are seven and 18. And that's your look at the Prospect League. Like I mentioned, Champion City four back of first place, and I believe the second place team gets a wild card spot. That'd be Chila Coffee. And the Kings are one and a half back of the Rust County team. And, of course, the Paints, no, not named after paint, lol, but named after paint horses. I really like that name, and I like their logo, too. Their jerseys, when they were battling Richmond, they were nice as well. Like I mentioned, Champion City Kings in Springfield, Ohio. Their season goes a little bit longer. They're currently serviced in 13 games with a batting average of .378 by Freeland. He's listed as a catcher, and he has 7 RBIs, 18 walks, 6 strikeouts. That's pretty disciplined out to play. Looking at some of these, I feel like there's a flyer or raider on this team, but I don't want... Is Zach Losi. That's a former Tippecanoe Red Devil. But he's got one game as a pinch runner it's weird how you pinch run and you're put into the offense i don't know why that is but there you go we'll look at pitching wise for champion city as soon as it loads swetland has a 1.50 era three games out of the bullpen six innings pitched just one earned run one unearned run struck out six walked four and has one loss in the season Looks like that's Westbrook in nine games leading, co-leading the Kings in saves with two. Long, nope, that's the wrong column. I'm sorry. Westbrook leads the Kings in saves with two. There are, looks like, five other Kings with one. Riley Perlick, a right State Raider, five starts, 4.79 ERA, one win, one loss. That's Jorge Lozano on the list, too. And four starts, with a 7.61 ERA, trying to find the Flyers and Raiders. There's Wes Earls out of Springfield, 4.37 ERA in 12 and a third relief appearances. Seven appearances for Earls, and there's DeBaut. I thought I thought he went back up to Michigan for summer ball, but about eight games out of the bullpen 16 innings 2.81 era four wins and not a loss on the left hander like i mentioned if you like local college baseball that's why you need to watch locally just because of the fact you get to see them and you get to see some others that maybe they'll transfer in maybe they won't who knows that's the fun of it and that wraps up the summer ball talk like I mentioned, the Prospect League goes until about mid-August. You have about three three more weeks of play compared to the Great Lakes. So pretty soon we'll be talking about playoffs in the Great Lakes. And then if Champion City or Chilla Coffee make the playoffs, we'll talk about that as time allows. But for now, we're going to take a breather. And it's time to thank the two networks this podcast is part of and also PodCoin. After the break more local sunday sports news what's going on guys grant right here joined by my co-director victor williams are you looking to bring more attention to your sports content Over at Overtime Heroics, you can be a part of a growing sports community, such as podcasts like my own, Cleveland Surge, and my own, Philly Special Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to share your sports opinions, they also have an active forum for all sports topics. So if you want your sports content to be heard amongst other sports fans, go over to Overtime Heroics forward slash forums and make your first hot take today. Hi, everybody. I hope you enjoy the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. Did you know you can get paid just for listening to this podcast? I just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts, and you earn PodCoin while you listen on the app. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards for Amazon, Starbucks, and more locations. Or you can even take the PodCoin and donate it to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. Here's what you do. You download the app right now for free in the App Store or on Google Play and simply use my code CINCESPORT with two eyes, and you'll get 300 PodCoins just for signing up. So go ahead, listen to this podcast or any podcast on PodCoin and sign up with the code CINCESPORT with two eyes. It's changing the way people listen to podcasts. PodCoin. I'm Ty Yeager and I want to introduce you to the Rise Up Podcast community a community for podcasters created by podcasters dedicated to the promotion and growth of podcasts everywhere rise up is not a network there are no contracts and no control over your content just a vessel for you to spread the word of your work and connect with the fellow podcasters to collaborate create and promote and guess what it doesn't cost you a single cent to join the community Join the Rise Up Podcast community today by visiting our website at bit.ly slash riseuppodcommunity and follow the community on Twitter at rupodcommunity. Again, that's bit.ly slash Community and at rupodcommunity on Twitter. Come and join the community of podcasts and rise up with us. Rise Up Podcast community. More Cincinnati, more Dayton sports on the way right now. Congrats go out to Zach Weatherford, formerly of Wright State. He won a Golden Glove with the Raider gang. And that outfield was tremendous for Wright State. Throughout those few years, Burdick got drafted or got drafted uh, about seven rounds apart. But Zach Weatherford didn't. And I think that's a darn shame. Because Weatherford can hang with those guys. Something very exciting to talk about for tonight's Dragons game. Hopefully. But going to do a quick research see if Weatherford signed if anyone it's a shame I was hoping that you know more Raiders would get drafted there were four that got drafted this year the most in the Horizon League UIC had what was it eight or nine I think it was eight because I said Wright State can go nine and you know I had four So there you go. But congrats to Zach Weatherford for the Golden Glove. You know how I found that out? Well, I looked at the press box notes for tonight's Dayton Dragons game. That's right. We'll talk about Dayton as they'll come home for two and then leave for two and then come back for more home games. That's normally how that works out. Anyway, the Dragons are back for two. Against the Bowling Green Hot Rods. A team that did not make the playoffs in the first half. But they were awfully close. And it looks like the Hot Rods have the pedal on the metal. 9-2 and two in this second half. Remember it's split halves. And I think I mention that every episode. So I won't bother again. 9-2. Yeah, Bowling Green's good. I mean, part of the Tampa Bay farm system. Tampa Bay really, really knows how to grow their farm system I mean it's it's crazy and it's something I hope Cincinnati gets around to but we'll see so Bowling Green 48 and 33 overall at the Dayton Dragons four and seven this half a very rough two and five road trip including a team what did Tom Nichols say in one of the West Michigan games since May they were six and 35 something like that Yeah, West Michigan is known for being one of the tougher teams in the Midwest League, but this year is not it. It is a tough year in Grand Rapids for the Whitecaps, but Dayton was almost swept twice. They lost three out of four to West Michigan, then two out of three at South Bend. They'll come home for two against Bowling Green and then leave for two at Bowling Green, Kentucky. No, it's not Bowling Green, Ohio. Trust me, that'd be nice, but there you go. Anyway, Caleb Sampin, former Wright State Raider, is scheduled to pitch tonight for the Hot Rods. He's four and three with a three point fifty ERA going against James Marinan, former Dodger farmhand. Two and eight, five point twenty eight ERA, but Marinan has done better as of late. Now, when I looked through the transactions, I thought I saw Caleb Sampin got sent down to Rookie Ball. Now, remember, Rookie Ball has started, and it goes, what, about September's playoffs? Maybe August? Uh, I don't know, actually. I don't remember. But I thought I saw Sampa got sent down. Sampin's been doing some nice work. Like I said, three and a half ERA. I can't wait to see the former Wright State Raider pitch tonight. On the year, Bowling Green has taken six out of eight games in the series. At Dayton, though, it's split one and one. So I think Bowling Green comes back for another series. I think that's how that works. I don't have the calendar in front of me, so there you go. But yeah, one and one, and that was opening day. I think the Dragons lost the first game, came back nicely in the second game. First meeting of the two-game series and the four games... Between the Dragons and Hot Rods, mentions that Dayton, again, a very nice game. Pair of RBI doubles for Brian Ray. I like Brian Ray. He's got a good bat and very solid outfielder. Also, Miles Gordon, Juan Martinez with solo home runs. And four Dayton pitchers combined to limit South Bend to a one-for-nine day with runners in scoring position. That's pretty good. That was how the first run was scored, an RBI double to drive home Delvin Zinn, who pretty impressive, pretty quick. If the back can get a little stronger, he might be a Chicago Cub in upcoming years, maybe. I say maybe just because of the fact I'm terrible saying, oh yeah, he'll be in the majors, and then gets cut. That's just me, though. The Dragons have scored in the first inning in the last three games, that is positive. 14-11 in the month of June, had a real strong start to the month. And then that 2-5 and five road trip kind of fizzled it out. Although the Dragons are 1-0 in the month of July. Fireworks tonight. Also fireworks in the city of Dayton tomorrow. So if you like fireworks, come out to the game tonight. Should have a really nice crowd for that. Because the sun sets, you know, fairly close. The shade's pretty good during that time. So... I don't think heat will be too much of an issue, but there you go. I mentioned Brian Ray; he's batting three forty six in his last sixteen games. Yeah, pretty pretty good. The top tandem, which is normally center fielder Miles Siani and right fielder Miles Gordon, they have cooled off a bit. Both are now under the two th- well, is it two thirty, two forty mark. One of those marks. It looked like Siani was turned the corner and then bam he's going to get, you know, to the two fifty mark. I think the Dragons still have a shot at getting to the postseason, but that two and five road trip, it's gotta be a distant memory. You keep putting your foot on the gas and you play your base baseball throughout. Road has not been too kind to the Dragons this year. Like I mentioned, Dayton four and seven. In the second half, 9-2 are the Hot Rods. Right now, it looks like Bowling Green is probably the clear favorite to lock up a second-half spot. I think South Bend is the second-place team right now. Like I mentioned, James Marin, former Dodger farmhand, also acquired long by Cincinnati with Inuri Zabala, who's in advanced day, I believe. I don't think he made it to Chattanooga yet exchange for Dylan Floro, Zach Neal, and international signing bonus. For Maranin, like I mentioned, has got better as of late. Has suffered two straight losses in his last starts. But the nice thing is, his last three starts, he has made it past five. His last start was five exactly. His last home start against Lansing was five and two-thirds. Three earned runs on seven hits. And West Michigan, he went six, going two earned runs, four hits in that span. Last win was May 21st for James Merrinan, and it was at home against Lake County. So in terms of people talking sports, he's due for a W. But he's also got a very tough Bowling Green team. And keep in mind, this is about Wander Franco. Franco is probably one of the top prospects buzzing around now at Vance Day. I'm surprised to see Brandon McKay made the call to the majors because what was that? Two seasons ago? I was thinking the Reds were going to pick up McKay. I didn't think Green won to go with Cincinnati, but McKay, he dominated his start with Tampa Bay. And I was really happy to see that. Like I mentioned, I thought McKay would be a red for sure. Because at one point, I thought I saw or heard Hunter Green saying, if it's not San Diego, I don't want any part of it. But there you go. Of course, Green still recovering from... Did he have Tommy John? So he should be coming back sometime in 2020. Hopefully. That's what we hope. If you look at James Marinant's birthday, late 1998 would have been a wee lad when Y2K didn't happen. There you go. I just look at all these, just all these birthdays in the Midwest League. Look at Fort Wayne if you want to feel old. That's probably the youngest team in the Midwest League for the last three, four years. It's crazy. And I think I'm just making breaking news. It's a live question from Travis Kohler what do you think the future holds for professional sports in the area is it a thing of the past or can any Dayton Cincy sports team bring back some glory I love it now no this is not a live episode I promise this is me recording it and I just got the Facebook notification on my laptop man what does the future hold for professional sports in this area love that question Cincinnati, I think FC Cincinnati will rebound from this year. Don't want to talk about that last game though. Seven to one for the Minnesota United Loons or Targets as I call them, just because they have the Target logo in the center. Man, why aren't they called the Targets? That'd be great. No, just yeah, it's going to be a rough year. I mean, look back at Minnesota United's first year. That was rough. Whew. I mean, I know FC Cincinnati had a lot of absences. But 7-1, oh, that that hurts. I feel FC Cincinnati will, you know, get their feet wet in the first year. Second year, we know what to do, get more talent. And I think they'll be decent next year, I hope. Reds, I I like the way David Bell is managing. I'm not the biggest fan of the starting pitching. Not really going that long, but overall, yeah, I think Bell is a nice hire so far hey, we're 6-3 against the Chicago Cubs, so you know what? I'm fine with that. And the Bengals, I don't know what this year's going to hold. I keep hoping that it's going to be a close to 500 year, but we'll see. I think the Bengals will be okay. I don't see the Bengals really moving, but you never know. I didn't think the Oakland Raiders would move, but they're going to Las Vegas in 2020, maybe, if that stadium's ready. Now in Dayton, I really want to see Dayton sports thrive. I mean, look at the Dragons. They bring in so many people, but the big thing is the Dragons bring in folks because the family entertainment, it's a cheap ticket. You get in, you can have some fun at the ballpark, and you don't have to, you know, open up your savings account to do so. So I like what the Dragons do. I'm not saying that, you know, that's what all future Dayton teams need to do to do that because, of course, customer's the top priority, but at the same time, how do you know that same thing's going to go swimmingly? Pro sports in Dayton or minor league sports? (laughs) I want to see minor league sports blossom again, but we we need an arena. We need someone to actually build one up and I feel like it could be a good hot spot for sports again. So I see Cincinnati on the up and up and right now Dayton, until that arena is built, it's just kind of meddling along. But I've been wrong before. Really like that question. I need to have him back on this podcast. Thank you, Travis. That's a live read right there, so there you go. Going back to the Dragons game tonight, I think the last thing before I got the notifications just seeing all these baseball players born in 2000 or afterwards like wow most of you don't know what y2k is unless you had that in school but there you go so dragons are at home tonight and tomorrow both seven o'clock starts you can listen to them on 980 am you can find it online if you have an TV subscription you can watch it And then the Dragons are back home Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I think that's South Bend in town. If I remember right. But, come on out. Enjoy the ball game. If you want to follow along with me, I'm cool with that too. Again, twitter.com slash Lily W. Mowen. Now we talk about some soccer. I mentioned FC Cincinnati lost 7-1. to That's about all I want to talk about. I like to talk about the Dutch Lions. Dayton and Cincinnati. They're on the prowl for that last playoff spot available in the Great Lakes division. Chicago FC United, heck of a season, but the Cincinnati Dutch Lions did hand Chicago a home loss. So, Cincinnati team's really good. I feel if one of the Dutch Lions takes over, I mean, Dayton's got... Flint City at home, and then at Flint City to wrap up the season. I think Cincinnati has got one more game at Chicago FC United. So they have three games left, if I remember right. The Derby, the last Derby game of the season happened last Friday, and Dayton came away with a 2-0 win. I'm sorry, 2-0 win. I really liked how Dayton played that game. Granted, Cincinnati and Dayton didn't have a lot of the star players, because I think Federico Barrios, a goalkeeper for Dayton and UD, was he at the crew workouts? Prepare for his pro career in soccer? I think he was. That's why he was not available for Friday's match, but Dayton played well. Cincinnati just looked out of sync and out of sorts in that match. Did have a couple good looks, and the Dayton goalie, Musa Sai, did have a couple of nice blocks to keep him out of the back of the net, but a clean sheet for Musa Sai. And Dayton picked up their fifth win out of their tenth match in the season. Like I mentioned, Flint City is coming in next Wednesday. That's July the 10th at 7 at the Dock. That's Dayton Outpatient Center Stadium in West Carrollton. Come on out. You can listen to me talk, I guess people don't come for that oh that's right now come out it's good soccer flint city is currently in second place and that's a team that either dutch Lions squad needs to dethrone dayton's got them twice i feel like cincinnati's got them at least once more check out the quick if i can hit the right button check out the quick schedule for the cincinnati dutch lions make sure that is correct there is a road game at Chicago FC United, July six, and there is another away game at West Virginia. The Cincinnati Dutch Lions defeat the Bucks three to one. That's the Flint City Bucks in their last home match of the season. Support your local soccer teams. Most of them are local college kids. Some are former local college kids. They're playing. It's good soccer. It's good quality sport. Now, if you don't like the sport, come out, because it is a good time. I promise you, you will like it. Next month, don't forget, folks, that is the Hell is Real Derby starting, and it's first in Columbus, and then it heads to FC Cincinnati about two weeks afterwards. do want to do something special for that, and I do have a card up my sleeve, Actually, I don't. That'd be uncomfortable. But I do have plans to make it a special episode, eventually. But uh, I'll keep my plans under wraps for now. Hopefully it happens, but we'll see. do want to talk a little bit about the NBA free agency. Normally, it's something I don't get to talk about, just because what NBA team in Cincinnati or Dayton? Oh yeah, it's in Sacramento now and has been since 85. Been following along on Twitter. There's a lot of good people, especially the folks over at Overtime Heroics. They've been doing a nice job following along. Now the big question is, where is Cali Leonard going? A lot of people say with the Los Angeles Lakers. A lot of people say with the Toronto Raptors. The Peoria Chiefs say that he signed with them for a long time, and then there is someone... And I caught the joke saying you're going to be well over your cap. Yeah, by like a lot. Peoria Chiefs being the single A affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals. I had to think about that because I know Chicago's with South Bend, Houston's at Quad Cities. It's switched of a few years, but you get my point. That was that was pretty funny. I have to give it to the Chiefs. I like what my Pacers have done. In Brogdon. I think that's a very good signing. I kinda wish that Wesley Matthews was held on to. But I think the Pacers at the hard cap meaning unless it's a veteran minimum contract, that's that's it. I like the Pacers and I like the Cavs and I know oh you can't like both of them at the same time. The world's going to unravel. What have you done? Well, I screamed into a mic, but... Wow, there's a lot of self-deprecating humor in this episode. Sorry. Well, the Pacers, I think, would have been... The team that Pop, my uh, grandpa and I, would have talked about more. But... He died a while back. I think, you know, if he was still around, we'd talk Pacers and... A lot more than Cavs. But I also like the Cavs, too. And... Yes, I know they don't have LeBron James. I get that, but you know. To me anymore, I I have my teams that I still, you know, heavily follow, but I try to follow everything just because of the fact that there's good athletes, there's good teams no matter where you turn. I know I'm probably going to be, you know, outcasted or whatever, I don't know. What is up with me today? I think it's just I'm all over the place. But Yeah, free agency, that's a hoot. How about the New York Knicks signing all those talented (laughs) All-Stars? Now, granted, yes, it does seem there's a lot of ha-ha, lol Knicks on social media, but maybe they have their own plan. Although you do have to... I mean, you do have to wonder what the owner of the Knicks, James Dolan, was thinking. I mean... Yes, you have one of the best players in the NBA out with Achilles' Hill. He won't play twenty nineteen twenty twenty, but you know twenty 2020, twenty twenty one one's going to happen. I think I said twenty twenty one, but that next season's going to happen. Now he's with Brooklyn, so yeah, Brooklyn's going to be the best professional basketball team in New York. Sorry, Knicks. At least your owners. With music, I guess. And apparently, with also owning the New York Rangers, side the Breadman from Columbus, meaning Columbus not only didn't keep Panaman, but uh, Bob Roski and Duchesne are out. Also, DeZegel, is that how you say his name? The Buckeye? Yeah, he's out too. But they did pick up, uh, was it Gustav Nyquen? Nyquist? Out of uh, San Jose Sharks. Pretty good deal. Pretty good wingman. So, we'll see. Also, uh, Kincaid, the third string goalie. I think Montreal signed him away too. So, right now there's one goalie in Karpasol. Be interesting to see how next season goes for the Pacers, Cavs, and Blue Jackets. Talk a little bit more about that. Just so I can expand on this podcast. And I think that'll close up episode 103 or the 103rd episode. Again, follow along, gem on Queen Crown or the Lee W. Mallon on Twitter. Beware, I tweet a lot of local sports. There you go. There's your warning. Also like the Facebook page to gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. And don't forget, you can listen to this podcast on a Bevelil of platforms, including PodCoin. Just go to the LeeWMowen.com slash podcast and you can click and listen at your very leisure. Episode 104, maybe this week, depending on if I have enough time to release it later on. But that will close up this 103rd episode. Thanks for listening and thanks for being part of the local Sunday sports podcast. Thank you, Mark Schlemmer. And thank you, Travis, for The questions to Malin's mailbag. Talk to you again. Episode 104. This has been another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the local Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. Closing theme by James Anderson from FreePD.com. Follow the podcaster on Twitter at The Lee W. Mallon, spelled T H E L E W M O W E N, and the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday Sports podcast, please visit thelewmawencom slash podcast. Would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast? Send a message on Twitter at either account or visit the theleadwmallon.com and click contact me and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast.